Okay, before we get into picks for football this weekend, I'm just going to go back to last weekend because boy, oh boy, what an insane weekend. And I will start with the AM game versus App State on Saturday. I happened to be at Kyle Field for that game. Uh, Witnessed AM's very shocking loss to App State, which App State is not a scrub program. I say they have beaten top 10 teams before, a la Michigan back in 2007 at the Big House, the blocked field goal at the end. I'm just going to say A&M was so lethargic, so slow. Uh, Haynes King had under 100 yards passing. He had 96 yards passing. Just re- really just unacceptable. Against a defense that had surrendered over 600 yards the week before and over 60 points to North Carolina, who is a basketball school. North Carolina is a basketball school okay Mac Brown their coach like he's one of the legends of college football but still North Carolina is not a football powerhouse like A&M is and I get it that you know North Carolina with the orange ball a couple of years ago but I'm sorry North Carolina is not a football powerhouse and A&M puts up just barely over 200 yards of offense versus that against Appalachian State are you kidding me Haynes King just looks like a lost duck. No better than Zach Cal- Maybe slightly better than Zach Calzada did last year at points. But thank goodness today that Jimbo Fisher finally announced that Max Johnson is coming in for Haynes King because his performance on Saturday was just, it was flat out painful to watch him constantly, like just looked like a lost puppy and a, and a deer in the headlights in the pocket. And also... Just AM's offense in general, it's it's just really stagnant. Very little motion creativity. Uh, not a very high-powered, like, uh, high-tempo offense that will blow your doors off. No one, I, you know, AM's a second-half team, but, like, they should start out of the gate rolling with the talent they have, like Devon A-Chain, Anaya Smith, Evan Stewart, a, a superstar freshman receiver. All the other weapons, like with the talent that A and M has, no wonder they were ranked near the top five in the preseason. Like, I believe that their ranking was justified based on the talent, but with this execution of the offense, the defense is like doing all they can. They held App State to seventeen points, like, but the offense just needs to do way better, and A and M. They have one red zone trip. One. Just one. The whole season. And they're ranked 102 in the nation in offense. Of like 120 FBS teams. 102 out of 120. You tell me that's a great offense. You can't. So, I'm I'm happy Jimbo's making a change. But it's about damn time. Because with the resources that AM has... You should not be losing to a team like App State. Now, granted, App State has mostly fourth and fifth year seniors as starters. But to put up that type of effort at home, you know, I'm glad they got their butts kicked. It was a nice kick in the butt for AM because they realize now that Miami's coming to town tomorrow night and it's going to be under the bright lights, Kyle Field, primetime, 8 p.m. Central, ESPN. The whole nation's going to have their eyes on Kyle Field, College Station. So, we better show up tomorrow 
or the cries that are coming from the outside that have started up this week are going to go even louder if Miami somehow pulls off this upset. Now, I'll get to the prediction in a minute, but there's no guarantee that AM is just going to wake up because Tyler Van Dyke's a legit quarterback for the Hurricanes. Uh, he's arguably going to be a top 10 pick in next year's draft. But AM better wake up fast and wake up quick because um, they're staring down the barrel of starting one and five. Because after this, you know who they play? Arkansas, who's now in the top 10, is one of the hottest teams in the country. Then they're on the road at Mississippi State and Starkville, which is always a tough place to play with the Cowboys. And then after that, on October 8th, they travel to Tuscaloosa to take on Alabama. Oh, yeah, by the way, who uh, is not exactly happy. Well, they won at, at TU last week, but Nick Saban is absolutely um, frustrated and angry about how the tide plays. So you know that he's going to get their team to clean up their mistakes. So Alabama's going to be ready for us. And don't forget all the stuff that's happened in the offseason between Jimbo and Nick, all those war words over recruiting. So, you know, I was, you know, hopeful that A&M would, you know, run the table besides Bama. I didn't think they were going to beat Bama on the road, but with the way they're playing and the way Haynes King played, boy, boy, oh boy, was I, was I, <laughs> was I overestimating how, how good A&M could be this year. So, man, uh, I'm going to give the pretty, I think A&M is going to win, but, uh, yeah, I'm. That was a depressing game to watch against App State. I just went home and nothing else mattered. Like, I I just felt so depressed and like, just to watch that and and the effort, the flat out effort too. A lot of people thought that they could just see the effort really wasn't there. Players just did not have a sense of urgency. Anaya Smith came out this week and said that players aren't engaged. They weren't engaged in the game and also not engaged in practice. And Jim will reiterate it at his press conference on Monday going, yeah, yeah. And say, you, you play like you practice. And if they're not practicing, at least trying to simulate what's in the game, then yeah. And I say, you're going to, you're going to lay an egg like you did on Saturday. So I'm hopeful that A&M will get it together on Saturday tomorrow um, when they welcome the Hurricanes to town. But boy, oh boy. Was that butt and the kick needed? Um, or that kick and the butt needed? Um, honestly, if they they would have won like, you know, 21 to 14, I I don't think, I think Miami would have uh, opened up a can of you-know-what on, on the Aggies because this loss, it's a wake-up call, and I think it's better for the Aggies to lose and have a nice wake-up call and welcome a top team to town than just, win barely against App State and then Miami coming to town and and lay waste to him. So anyway, moving on from that, um some other I mean, Alabama scraped by against Texas on a field goal the last 15 seconds or so in Austin 20 to 19 were tied were victors in that game. Um let's say not not a lot of other Great games that happened mostly in college uh, on Saturday. Besides, let's say, BYU beat Baylor, but that wasn't a special game. I'm just going to move the NFL and just recap. We had the Bears over the 49ers on a absolutely soaked soldier field. Three inches of rain on the field plus new sod. Yeah, that's that's a monsoon. Pretty, pretty bad sloppy play for both Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and both teams. 
um, Texans tied the Colts at home, and the and the Texans were thought to be the worst team in the league. Now it is Week One, so you can't overreact much. But uh, yeah, uh, the Texans look very much like a team that could win six, seven, eight, nine games. If I'm being honest with you, if they play like that versus the Colts. Let's say other games, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Steelers finally went went won the game in overtime, um, near the end of overtime, and the Bengals honestly should have won five or six separate times before that. Um, Jamar Chase uh, not getting in the end zone. Uh, a fumble picked up, but the ball was dead at the spot due to a rule that the ball is dead, dead on the, the spot when the player picks it up in the last few minutes of overtime or the game. Uh, and a couple missed field goals. Mika Fitzpatrick blocked a field goal at the end of regulation, I believe. Maybe it was overtime, I forgot. But also, uh, Evan McPherson badly missed a kick to the left. He shanked it left. Um, the Cincinnati long snapper apparently was dealing with uh, injuries or something. But... Uh, yeah, that those those misses were pretty bad. So the Steelers somehow escaped with a win. Uh, the Saints they barely beat the Falcons. They they were basically asleep until the fourth quarter. Michael Thomas, Jameis Winston, company finally woke up in the fourth quarter and decided to beat the Falcons in Atlanta. Um, I'll say Sunday Night Football was nice to see the Cowboys just lay an egg against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Dak Prescott's now out for six to eight weeks with an injury with a broken thumb or something. And yeah, uh, the Cowboys season is already pretty much in the toilet. Cooper rush is a social backup quarterback based on what he did last year versus the Vikings. But uh, yeah, the Eagles are going to win the, win the NFC East and who knows? I mean, the commanders and the giants also won their week one game. So the Cowboys are in last place and they, uh, they're looking like they could be the division bottom feeder this year. So, um, yeah, uh, Jerry, Jerry boys in for a long, long season up, up in Arlington. Uh, and then whew, a lot of, a lot of stuff in week one, Monday night football boy, <laughs> Russell Wilson going back to Seattle. Um, Geno Smith for Seattle. He played his best game, honestly, since his college days at West Virginia, he looked like a stud. Russell Wilson, he made some throws, but he, he had nearly 400 yards passing, but it was w- one of the most, like, underwhelming 400-yard performances I've ever seen. Like, he, the only notable pass he had in the first half was an underthrown ball to Jerry Judy that somehow Judy caught and uh, took to the end zone to the house from, like, 70 yards or something. And Wilson also really didn't target receivers much until the second half. So interesting that wonder if he was doing that or if Nathaniel Hackett and then toward the end of the game. And this is what everybody's been talking about this week and just absolutely indefensible call by Nathaniel Hackett at the end of the game. So it's fourth. uh, The Broncos are down by one and they're driving into Seahawks territory, getting into field goal range for Brandon McManus. They get, Javante Williams, it's third down and 15. He gets the ball to the um, to the Seahawks, 45 or 46. So it's fourth down and five. It's about 45 seconds left or 50 seconds left, almost a minute. 
and the Broncos let the clock run down to almost 20 seconds when they had three timeouts. And Ma- Peyton Manning and everyone else was like, call a timeout, call a timeout. Just to talk about, like, why waste all that time? Because here's the thing. You paid Russell Wilson over $250 million to be your franchise quarterback for the next probably decade or maybe even 15 years if he survives that long in the NFL. And at this point, you would either try a fourth down and five with Russell Wilson, who's known to be over the last 10 years or so to be one of the most clutch quarterbacks in the NFL, or you pick Brandon McManus to kick a 64-yard field goal and he is like two of eight or one of eight on field goals over 60 yards in his career. And this is, I mean, keep in mind, Seattle's at sea level. This is not Denver where it's mile high above sea level in altitude or kick, kick, where it's much easier to kick a long field goal. So what does Nathaniel Hackett decide to do? He goes with the 64-yard field goal with Brandon McManus. Now McManus, granted, he has the leg. It missed barely, barely to the left. But even if he made, it's like, you just you just took the ball out of your franchise quarterback's hands who you're paying a quarter of a billion dollars to to and and, and you also just wasted that time. Like a freaking twelve year old could have game managed that better. So Nathaniel Hackett, that was a rough, rough first day on the job for him. I don't know why he covers. I mean, he plays the Tex they played the Texans this week, so I guess but like I mentioned, the Texans are not looking like the worst team in the league which a lot of people thought they were. So next time, Nathaniel Hackett, I suggest just talk it over with Russell Wilson and then give it to Russell Wilson because most likely it's going to be a situation where Russell Wilson needs the ball and has a better statistical chance of converting a fourth down than McManus kicking a 60-plus yard field goal. So just, okay, that that's all I have to say about Monday Night Football. It was It was a good game between the Seahawks and the Broncos, but... Just horrible, horrible management of the clock by Nathaniel Hackett at the end. And, you know, for a guy who was Aaron Rodgers' offensive coordinator the past three years, I mean, you thought he was an offensive genius when he played with Aaron, but the game, the offensive game plan was just nothing special on, on Monday against the Seahawks. So I digress. Um, how about even before I get to uh, the picks for this week, and let me go over some other news going on in the sports world. Um, let's start with the big news in the NBA this week. Uh, so Suns majority owner, Robert Sarver, he has been suspended one year and fined $10 million, $10 million uh, for, for alleged misogyny and racism. And this was all detailed in a report. And this, it follows up on findings came out last year that um, there was this type of stuff going on in the Suns workplace and a lot of stuff has come out this week in regards to this. So, um, first of all, the minority owner of the Suns has called for Sarver to step down and still sell the team as the majority owner. Um, I don't think the minority owner is doing that so he could take majority ownership, but just um, the way that he feels it's it's time for Sarver to go. PayPal, which is the main sponsor of the Suns, they have threatened to remove their sponsorship from the Suns if Robert Sarver is back with the team next year. Uh, LeBron James tweeted out earlier this week that there is just no place for this kind of behavior in the league, misogyny and um, racism toward minor- minorities. And, you know, any 
any behavior in the workplace like that is just unacceptable and there should be bigger consequences. And, and today actually in an interview, uh, Tamika Tremaglio, who is the NBA players association executive director, he is, she has actually called for a lifetime ban for, for Robert Sarver. Now, the last time there was a lifetime ban in the NBA, it was it was the uh, Clippers owner Donald Sterling, who uh, it was revealed through private tapes was talking to his girlfriend at the time uh, about um, you know black people and using the N word and doing all these and saying all these horrible things and you know Adam Silver and the and the owners threw him out of the league and the players caused enough uproar. I don't know if it's going to get to this point, but it's sure heading toward this point with the things I just mentioned that the owner is calling for him to step down. PayPal is threatening to remove their sponsorship. Uh, the NBA players executive director calling for a lifetime ban. Um, it'll be just be interesting to see what if the NBA steps up as punishment because Adam Silver in his press conference seemed a bit uncomfortable and, and yet, I don't see the situation to the levels, maybe Donald Sterling, but, you know, regardless, if it is true, then it's just, it's just horrible, horrible behavior and just un- unacceptable professional behavior on the part of Robert Sarver. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see how this plays out. And just, just a bad situation that really no one wants to be in and, and, uh, We'll see if the players really, really step up and 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 turn up the heat on Sarver and and the NBA to uh, drive him out of ownership. Uh, some other NBA news uh, for the 2023-2024 season: the salary cap's going up to 134 million, so bigger contracts for more players. Um, pretty much a given, considering considering the revenue is still going up for most sports leagues. Uh, moving to the NFL. Uh, some contracts and some other news. Uh, Quentin Nelson for the Colts got a four-year, $80 million extension. Um, he's now the highest-paid guard in the NFL with $60 million of that $80 million g- being guaranteed. Quentin Nelson, ever since he got drafted to the Colts from Notre Dame, has arguably been the best offensive lineman in football, along with his fellow uh, center, Ryan Kelly. Just uh, a real stud, um, all-pro in the entire time he's been in the league. So... Very much well-deserved from Quentin Nelson. Then out uh, in Las Vegas for the Raiders, Darren Waller inked a three-year $51 million extension with them, and he is now under contract with them through 2026. Other than Travis Kelsey, uh, George Kittle, um, and some others, and Mark Andrews, Darren Waller's right up there with the best tight ends in the league. Um, He's a great weapon for Derek Carr to have, and with him, uh, Devontae Adams and uh, Hunter Renfro and others for the Raiders. That's plenty of weapons for Derek Carr to play with, and he certainly is one of them, so he earned that extension very much so. Um, Like I mentioned before, Dak Prescott is out several weeks and needs hand surgery. Um, They're saying six to eight weeks, but we'll see how it plays out because usually they sometimes say a longer uh, absence so so the doctors don't get killed if they say, oh, it's only two to four weeks but then they come to find out that they rushed him back. So um, definitely won't be back till at least October, probably November or late November at this point. But uh, like I said, the Cowboy season is already in the toilet. 
Um, and Lamar Jackson reportedly, he turned down a deal worth over $250 million. So the contract dispute between him and the Ravens, that's going to be interesting to follow. If the Ravens want to pay him, then they'll sure pay him at the end of the year. But for how much money, I don't know. I think Lamar's wanting a fully guaranteed contract like Lamar, like uh, Deshaun Watson did from the Browns. And I mean, Lamar Jackson has done in his career enough to just, he's has a very, very stellar record as a starting quarterback for the Ravens. Um, he was an MVP a couple of years ago. Um, he doesn't have much playoff success, so that could be held against him. But again, he's done more in the NFL, I think, than Deshaun Watson. Um, so another interesting case to follow if the Ravens and him decide to ink a deal at the end of the season, because he said that they're not going to discuss contract during the season, which I guess makes business sense. So players and staff can stay focused on the season. And we'll, we'll revisit this story probably at the end of the season. Moving on to college football, uh, Nebraska, they ended up firing Scott Frost, um, 16 and 31 record and his alma mater. And the funny thing was, if they if Nebraska would have fired him three three weeks later than they did, um, his buyout would only be seven and a half million instead of fifteen million that they had to pay him. So, I guess losing, <laughs> I, guess, I guess I guess they couldn't get rid of Scott Frost fast enough. Uh, but Nebraska welcomes uh, Oklahoma to town uh, tomorrow, so you you know for sure that they're going to be really fired up um, to to get the inner, they lost 45, 45 to 40 due to Georgia Southern. So yeah, uh, no, no wonder. Um, no wonder they got rid of Scott Frost. So we'll, we'll see how um, Nebraska responds. I'll sure they'll play spirited versus Oklahoma, but as I'll predict later, I think uh, Oklahoma is going to take care of them without any issues. Uh, Quinn Ewers for Texas. Um, he sprained his clavicle, so he's out two to three weeks at minimum, maybe longer. Um, came to, uh, unfortunately got injured last week versus, um, Alabama. They say people are hyping him up to be, um, one of the best prospects in college football, um, ever since like Trevor Lawrence, um, and him and Bryce, Bryce Young. One, two of the more talented quarterbacks. Quinn Ewers isn't at Bryce Young's level yet, but he sure is on his way to be that, I believe. But he'll be out a few weeks again with a clavicle sprain. Uh, some tennis news before I move to football picks. Um, Roger Federer announced that he is retiring after next week's Lava Cup. Roger Federer is a 20-time Grand Slam champion, completely revolutionized the game with his um, one-hand backhand, just... Um, an absolute legend in the game. Um, if it weren't for Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal, um, Federer would probably have 30, 30 to 40 Grand Slam titles. He was that dominant in the uh, in the 2000s and in, even into the 2010s. Just He was number one for four years straight and for six years total. Um, very, very dominant. Are very much arguably the greatest player of all time. Of course, Djokovic and Nadal are making their case um, as we speak. But um, congratulations to Roger Federer for going out on his own terms. An absolute legend of the game. Um, it was a pleasure to watch him, especially at Wimbledon. He was the master of the grass, grass court play. Eight-time Wimbledon champion, unmatched. 
and who knows what he's going to do after his his tennis career finally is over. But definitely um, a well-deserved retirement, and congratulations to Roger Federer um, as he heads off into his next chapter of his life. And the U.S. Open finally concluded this past weekend. Um, Carlos Alvarez won the men's championship. He can defeated Casper Ruud in four sets. Um, and he is now the youngest ever um, ranked number one player of the ATP. And Iga Swiatek, um, she beat On Jabour in straight sets to win the U.S. Open women's title. All right, guys, let's get into the picks. I'm so excited. Let's go. All right, college football week three. Here we go. First off, starting off in Auburn, Alabama with number 22, Penn State. Nittany Lions taking on the Auburn Tigers. Both teams 2-0. Penn State is a field goal favorite on the road. Over-under for this game is 47.5. Kickoff is at 2.30 p.m. Central time on CBS. So there's a reason that Penn State is favored in this game. Just because I think Nick Singleton, their running back, is a stud. And Sean Clifford has a ton of experience. Um, with Auburn, they've struggling a little bit, especially TJ Finley. He's not he's not making the plays that he needs to be making. Uh, Auburn has talent. Like Tank Bigsby out of the backfield, they can certainly break off some big plays. But I don't know. Something tells me that Penn State is just coming on, coming in here still hungry, even though they're ranked and they're favored on the road. They're still hungry to get a win on the plane. So. I'm going with Auburn uh, losing to Penn State, uh, and Penn State should cover the spread by probably a touchdown. It should be a game. Um, these teams have played each other close, especially last year. But, uh, yeah, Penn State Penn State will get the road win in Auburn. And then Miami, Texas A&M. So the Aggies will welcome the Hurricanes to Kyle Field tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Central on ESPN National national broadcast uh, over under 45 for this game. I mentioned before Haynes Keen struggling offensive line for AM struggling too. Max Johnson's going to start and uh, we'll see if the O-line gives him plenty of time to throw Max Johnson. He put up good numbers last year for LSU when it was a tumultuous situation in that program with Ed Orgeron, um, the stuff going on off the field. And uh, he, Funny enough, he uh, kind of lit up AM a little bit in the game last year, which AM should have won, but that's another story for another day. Um, and it'll have, of course, Anaya Smith and Devon A. Chain, the best weapons on the field, and Evan Stewart and others. Um, I think AM has the talent to, uh, you know, beat Miami in Kyle Field, and the, and the atmosphere is going to be electric. It's sold out. So you know that the fans are going to show up and give the Hurricanes all the hell they can get. Uh, Miami's top receiver is going to be out with injury, but their uh, second-best receiver who's coming back, uh, he will be back from uh, suspension. or uh, He missed the first two games for Miami, so he'll be back. Give me, give me A&M to it. I just I think they're going to be motivated they're at number 24. Um, personally, I think they would have been outside the top 25 if it weren't for this game already been decided to be on ESPN because, you know, it, it 
if they already decided it to be a primetime matchup, you would have to think that um, that they wanted to make sure both teams are ranked no matter what. So I'm taking A and M to win and cover the five and a half point spread. Um, just I think Max Johnson goes off for like 350, three touchdowns, and maybe a pick. But um, I think after what A and M went through last week at App State, something has to be different because. The fan base is on Jimbo right now, and I think it's time for him to respond. And I think his team will respond. So give me AM to beat the Hurricanes uh, at Kyle Field tomorrow night. All right, moving out west, uh, we have number 12 BYU taking on number 25 Oregon at Autzen Stadium. 2.30 p.m. Central kick on Fox from Eugene. Uh, so BYU coming off that big win over Baylor last uh, Saturday night. Uh, late game, I went to bed well before it finished. Um, and of course, Oregon bounced back from their opening uh, opening week uh, demolition at the hands of Georgia. Um, so the thing for this game, Bo Nix, uh, I've mentioned it previously, in his Auburn career, he was much better at home than he was on the road. So history would, would tell us that he would do better uh, performing at home than on the road. Um, and in fact, Oregon has won 20 straight uh, at Austin Stadium. And Austin Stadium is one of the toughest environments in America, um, but it doesn't get talked about as much as like, you know, the Big House or uh, Tiger Stadium or Kyle Field or any of those other big stadiums uh, uh, east of the Mississippi. Um, but on the other side for BYU, uh, Christopher Brooks, he's done a good job. Um is Puka Nakula, Puka Nakua. If he plays BYU's best receiver, then they definitely have a good chance. Uh, Jaron Hall, though, he he will definitely find a way to make plays against Oregon's defense, which isn't that spectacular. Um, and BYU, I should mention, is seven and one versus the Power Five since twenty twenty one. So BYU, they have. You know, they scheduled Baylor, Oregon. They have Arkansas as well coming up on the schedule. So they're not they're not scheduling a ton of cupcakes. I just, you know, something tells me this is BYU's, you know, chance to kind of make a statement and show the committee that, hey, you know, we're not power five, but we're still a pretty good school. So give me BYU and the upset at Austin Stadium. Snap Oregon's home winning streak. And uh, BYU covers the three and a half as dogs. Speaking of dogs, the Georgia Bulldogs, ranked number one, are going to South Carolina to play the Gamecocks. Over under for this game is 52 and a half. This is an early kickoff on Saturday, 11 a.m. Central on ESPN. Georgia, of course, has had no trouble in the first two games. Uh, their quarterback, Stetson Bennett, has been absolutely on fire. Um, and they've only allowed three points total Georgia's defense has in the first two games. Um, Georgia has also won 13 straight games on the road versus the SEC East, been absolutely dominant versus the SEC East uh, in recent years. So every everything points to Georgia winning this game. On the other side for the Gamecocks, you know, Spencer Radler, he has talent, but he's still getting it together, um, just trying to get used to Shane Beamer's system. Um, he's a little bit turnover prone. He's put the ball on the ground and has thrown some picks this year. Um, South Carolina's defensive front, if they put pressure on Stetson Bennett, maybe they make it a game. Georgia's 24-point favorites. I I think Georgia will win, but they won't cover. 
South Carolina is a very underrated atmosphere to play in, uh, underrated home atmosphere, uh, a very tough environment to play in. But the Bulldogs, I think their their talent, they're they're ranked number one for a reason. Kirby Smart has the has those guys ready to play pretty much week in week out. So give me the Bulldogs to beat the Gamecocks, but uh, they will not cover the twenty four point spread. All right, and then moving on to Alabama, uh, ranked number two after their close uh, win over TU last week in Austin, twenty to nineteen. They are hosting Louisiana Monroe, uh, who is coached by Terry Bowden, the son of legendary uh, head coach for Florida State, Bobby Bowden. Three p.m. Central kickoff on SEC Network. Um, the thing for Alabama is they have to clean up the penalties because they had 15 last week versus TU, which is the most ever in the Nick Saban era. Um, Bryce Young had very little protection last week. The Texas defensive line and the linebackers just got after him all game long. Um, he definitely did not have a clean jersey. Um, on, and on for Alabama's defense, you know that Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, and others are going to get pressure on Louisiana Monroe. But um, Bama just needs to set things straight. Um, they are 49 point favorites in this game. I think they can cover that spread. And just the key is for them to clean up the penalties and, uh, have their offensive line continue to improve. It's going to be Alabama to win easily and cover the spread. All right. Staying in the sec, uh, East, we are moving on to number 15, Tennessee hosting Akron, uh, Tennessee are 47 and a half point favorites at Neyland Stadium, 6 p.m. Central kick on ESPN+. Plus. Over-under is 67. Uh, so Akron, uh, they got drummed by Michigan State 52 to nothing last week in East Lansing. So uh, Joe Moorhead and crew are in for, the Zaps are in for a long, long game uh, at Tennessee, uh, which has won five straight home games against unranked foes. You have cornerback Hendon Hooker hooking up with wide receiver Cedric Tillman and others. Tennessee is as a high powder offense. And I think, I think they're going to beat Akron. The question is though, will they cover the spread? I don't think so. Akron, I think scores some late, a couple of late touchdowns, but Tennessee wins easily, but doesn't cover the spread. And then, uh, number 18, Florida, um, coming off that lost in the swamp, lost in the swamp last Saturday night versus Kentucky. They're hosting South Florida. 6.30 p.m. Central kick on SEC Network. The Gators are 24.5-point favorites at home. Anthony Richardson, um, he showed you last week why he was inconsistent. First week, he looked like Cam Newton and, you know, just any other comparison comp you want to throw in for legendary quarterbacks in the SEC. But uh, funny thing enough, he has still no touchdown passes this year. But... Luckily for them, South Florida is 0-5 in their last five game versus Power 5 opponents. And I think Florida is just talented, more talented on both sides of the ball. So give me the Gators to win against the Bulls and cover the 24-and-a-half, and they'll bounce back from their loss against Kentucky. Uh, final SEC game, I think I'll mention. Uh, number 20, Ole Miss. 16-point favorites on the road versus Georgia Tech, uh, 2.30 p.m. Central kick on ABC. Question is for Ole Miss, is Jackson Dart going to play quarterback or is it Luke Altmyer? Um, it doesn't matter. I think they're more talented on offense, especially than Georgia Tech, um, who has the Yellow Jackets have lost five their last five games versus SEC-ranked opponents. So 
Um, and Jeff Sims, I don't think he can keep keep up with the Ole Miss offense. So give me give me the Rebels to win and cover the 16 points on the road. Moving to the Big Ten, you have number three Ohio State hosting Toledo. Both teams are two and zero. Buckeyes are 32 point favorites. 6 p.m. Central kickoff on Fox. Um, they do get Jackson Smith and Jigba back. Um, Marvin Harrison Jr. had a fantastic game last week, and C.J. Stroud is now the uh, is now the Heisman favorite. Um, and Toledo, they faced Long Island and UMass. I mean, they're good teams, but they're not Ohio State. So Toledo has only allowed five points against them, but Ohio State's going to hang a big number on uh, Toledo. So. Buckeyes win, cover the spread easily, and uh, and they continue marching on, marching on in their Big Ten season, uh, and they should move to three zero. Michigan, number four, hosting UConn, eleven a.m. Central kick on ABC. Wolverines are forty-seven point favorites at home. The over/under for this game is sixty. Uh, JJ McCarthy, the more explosive quarterback between him and Caden McNamara, is starting. Jim Harbaugh, I think, is wanting to see. Um, how it goes. Um, the Wolverines have won 16 straight games versus unranked non-conference teams, and that should move to 17 after UConn. They are outscoring their opponents this year by 45 points per game. Um, Jim Moore and UConn is just a complete rebuild. UConn's been one of the worst programs in college football um, the past several years, so give me Michigan to win. Uh, they won't cover the 47, though. That's a really big number but I think they will win comfortably. Uh, Michigan State, number 11, is on the road at Washington, going across country to Seattle. Uh, 6.30 p.m. Central kick on ABC. Over-under for this game is 56.5. Both teams come in at 2-0. You have uh, Washington, the underrated home field advantage for them. Michael Penix Jr., transfer from Indiana. He's doing good things with head coach Kalen DeBoer. Um for Michigan State, uh, Peyton Thorne, he needs to bounce back. Um, not the greatest game last week versus uh, Akron, which they did win 52 to nothing. But he, he has a couple of transfer running backs led by Jalen Berger. So I, I think Mel Tucker um, and the Hus- Mel Tucker and the Spartans, they they will have some issues with, uh, with Washington. The Huskies are favored by three and a half at home. But uh, I think Michigan State wins on the road and covers as a three and a half point underdog. Uh, Clemson hosting Law Tech, uh, thirty four point favorites. The Tigers are seven p.m. Central on ACC Network. Um, Clemson's defense has been impressive. Um, they've only allowed four, fourteen points per game since last year, which is second in the nation to Georgia. Um, Law Tech's led on offense by quarterback Parker McNeil. Um, but unfortunately, La Tech has lost four straight games versus Power 5 teams. And Clemson has won 35 straight home games, which is the longest streak in the nation. Um, DJ Ogale, he's not impressing anybody really much with his play. Um, is Cade Humanat going to come in at some point during this game? We'll see. I think so, but that's Dabo's call. But anyway, Clemson's going to win and cover the spread versus La Tech. And this should be a pretty good game. Uh, NC State, number 16, 10-point favorites at home, uh, hosting Texas Tech, 6 p.m. Central kick on ESPN2. 
course, you have NC State. Uh, their quarterback, Devin Leary, is one of the more experienced ACC quarterbacks. Uh, David Dorn's a pretty underrated coach. Uh, and for on the other side for Texas Tech, Donovan Smith, their, um, their backup quarterback, um, they beat U of H in overtime last week. Uh, they escaped. They escaped in Lubbock. So uh, I I say NC State wins just because um, I think NC State can generate plen- plenty of pressure up front on Donovan Smith. And so give me NC State to win and cover the 10 points. Liberty at Wake Forest. So this is uh, Hugh Freeze going up against the ACC again. Um, Caden Salter, the Liberty quarterback, he can make some noise. Um, but for Wake Forest, you have Sam Hartman as their quarterback who had over 300 yards passing and four touchdowns versus Vandy. Um, you have wide receiver A.T. Perry. They won 16 in the last thir- 13, last 16 games, uh, dating back to last season. So over under this game, 63 and a half. I think Wake Forest wins. Um, high scoring game, I think this is going to get, but Wake Forest should win and cover 16 and a half. Pittsburgh at Western Michigan. Um, Pittsburgh, 10-point favorites on the road. 6.30 p.m. Central kick on ESPNU. Um, Western Michigan did get did beat Pittsburgh last year, and Pittsburgh is coming off a home loss to Tennessee last weekend. Um, but Western Michigan, they are 0-18 against ranked teams in the in the teams versus the teams that are not in the MAC since 2000. Um, and Pittsburgh, I don't think it was ranked last year when they beat them. Uh, I think Pittsburgh bounces back and wins on the road. Moving out west, you have number seven USC Trojans hosting Fresno State. Uh, late kickoff, 9.30 p.m. Central, 10.30 p.m. Eastern on Fox. Um, USC offense under Lincoln Riley's humming. Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison and company just rolling right along. Uh, Jake Hayner, Fresno State, they can put up some points too, but uh, USC is just overall more talented. So give me the Spartans to win and cover the 12 points at home. San Diego, San Diego State on the road against Utah, 9 p.m. Central kick on ESPN2. Utah is undefeated, um, 7-0 in their last seven home games since last season. Cam Rising, I think, can put up some numbers. Both teams are good at running running the ball, and they have stingy defensive fronts. Um, Braxton Burmeister for San Diego State, uh, he could make some plays I could see. San Diego State is 6-2 and two in their last eight games versus the Power 5. Um, but Utah, I think at home, um, pretty tough environment to play in. Um, Ohio State found that out. Um, Oregon found that out. Uh, so give me the Utes to win at home and cover the 21-point spread. Uh, this game has some intrigue to it. Number 6, Oklahoma on the road in Nebraska. An old Big 8 rivalry for you on Saturday. 11 a.m. Central kick on Fox. Sooners are 11.5-point favorites. So the big news for Nebraska this week, I mentioned Scott Frost got fired. Um, you know, the team will definitely rally around the interim coach. But for but for Oklahoma, Marvin Mims, their talented wide receiver, can go off. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, he has a passing touchdown 28 straight games. Um, Oklahoma's defense is tough and physical, especially up front. Um this will be a close game. I think Oklahoma wins but does not cover the spread because Nebraska is going to be inspired. Now, I will say Nebraska, ever since they got rid of Bo Pelini, Bo Pelini, they just have not done very much. Scott Frost was thought of to be the savior from UCF, but nope. Uh, this is not the 1990s anymore. Nebraska just needs to 
do a slow rebuild. Um, they are definitely not a powerhouse like they think they are. So uh, Oklahoma wins and and spoils the rallying cry. Number 17, Baylor taking on Texas Tech in Waco. Of course, Baylor is coming off that loss up in BYU last Saturday night. Early kickoff, 11 a.m. Central and FS1. Uh, the Bears are favored by 30 over the Bobcats. Um, you know, maybe this, maybe the Sun Belt is the fun belt again this weekend, like they were last week with Marshall and uh, and Appalachian State. But I think Blake Shapin and Baylor's going to bounce back. Um, they, I, I, I think Baylor's going to bounce back for Texas State, no problem. So give me the Bears to win and cover the 30 points. UT, UTSA versus Texas. So, yeah, Texas uh, coming off uh, the loss versus Alabama. They actually were one of the first teams in the last several years to move up in the rankings, even after a loss. Um, the kickoff is at 7 p.m. Central on Longhorn Network. It'll be interesting to see because, obviously, Quinn Ewers is out for a while. Hudson Card is also limping. Um, we'll see if they go to their third-string quarterback or not. They Texas has B. John Robinson, um, arguably the best running back in the country. Um, and Gary Patterson, his fingerprints were all over the scheme last week versus Bama, getting their pressure on, on Bryce Young. But on the other side for UTSA, Frank Harris can make some plays, but UTSA is coming off back-to-back overtime games. So you wonder if their stamina is kind of running out. Um, this is kind of S, you know, UTSA Super Bowl because, you know, Texas, one of the biggest brands in the country and certainly the state of Texas, um, I think Texas bounces back from this game. Steve Steve Sarkeesian's going to have his program ready to go. So give me Texas to win and cover the 12.5 points at home. A few other games that um, are not ranked games and also not betting games because they're FCS versus FBS opponents. Oklahoma State against Arkansas Pine Buff. Oklahoma State wins with Spencer Sanders. And then Arkansas hosting Missouri State. KJ Jefferson should go off for Arkansas and then Kansas at Houston two basketball schools, frankly, because both teams are threats to reach the final four almost every year. Now, um, Kansas is two and zero, best record in the league, <laughs> the highest scoring offense in the big 12 under Lance Leopold. He's doing some great things with that program. Clayton tune, uh, puts up numbers for Dana Holgerson, Houston. Good game. I just think Houston will win in TDCU stadium on Saturday. All right, next is the NFL. I just got to say that Thursday night game last night uh, between the Chargers and the Chiefs, great, great game to watch. Um, Patrick Mahomes versus Justin Herbert, that's going to be a fun matchup to watch the next 10 to 15 years. Um, Those two guys are just supremely talented. um, And, you know, the Chiefs, they got lucky a few times. Um, end zone interception was dropped by Asante Samuel. Um, you know, Mahomes threw a couple other balls that weren't in the best spots either. Um, but in the end, you know, a nice, timely 99-yard pick six for the Chiefs got the job done. Of course, the Chargers, they, weren't pl- they were playing without Keenan Allen, the number one target for uh, just – for Justin Herbert. So Mike Williams stepped up, made some big plays downfield, but um, the chargers, they didn't throw the ball 
down the field that much. Um, I believe that Herbert only threw more than 15 yards down the field a handful of times. Um, and considering that he has one of the best arms in the league, I'm just very shocked that Brandon Staley or the offensive staff for the Chargers didn't let um, Justin Herbert throw the ball down the field more. But um, that's all for naught because uh, the Chiefs are 2-0, first place in the what is going to be a very, very competitive AFC West this year. Um, whenever, you know, it's a shame that this matchup kind of had to be in week two, um, because both these teams are definitely, you know, Chiefs are arguably the best team in the league. The Chargers are a top 10 team easily. They have arguably the best roster top to bottom in the league. You know, Joey Bussa, Cleo Mack on, on the edge rushing. You have JC Jackson on the back end, Derwin James, uh, as safety position, Kyle Van Noy, linebackers, like they just got talent all over the field and on defense. Um, but the Chiefs escape with the win at Arrowhead and uh, moved to 2-0. and And that is that. All right, moving on to Sunday's games. You got the Dolphins and Ravens squaring off in Baltimore. Uh, both teams 1-0. Noon kickoff on CBS Central time. Ravens three and a half point favorites at home. Over-under is set at 44 and a half. Um, so the Ravens, they won six straight home openers. Um, Lamar Jackson has shown, especially last week that he can complete the deep ball fairly accurately. Um, the dolphins on the other side, they say they have Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. Um, that matchup versus the, uh, Ravens secondary is going to be the matchup of the game. If they can get, get, get behind the Ravens secondary, then it could be a long afternoon. And Lamar Jackson's not the greatest quarterback if you get down by uh, multiple scores and it's late in the game. You can't count on him to lead you back like you could maybe uh, Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson or someone like that. And the Dolphins, they have won nine of the past ten games dating back to last season um, with the fewest points given up per game, 14.7. I just think the Ravens, they still have a deep roster. Um, the Dolphins, they played a Patriots team that is looking to be pretty anemic on offense with Mac Jones having Matt Patricia and Joe Judge calls play. That just, that perplexes me to no end. But regardless, um, give me the Ravens to win at home and cover the three and a half. And speaking of the Patriots, they are on the road in Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers, who won an absolute... Um, crazy game in in Cincinnati last weekend. This is a noon kickoff on CBS Central Time again. Patriots are actually favored on the road. Um, Steelers found out that TJ Watt is out with a torn peck, um, but he's not going to be out the rest of the season, so that's good news for the Steelers' defense and the faithful because TJ Watt's more, looking more and more like J.J. Watt in terms of getting injuries all the time, which is really sad because both of them, are Hall of Fame level uh, pass rushers, and you just hate to see them going down with so many injuries so often now. Um, and Mac Jones too could. It looked like he was injured as well in the game last week against Miami. So, yeah. But the Steelers, I just think their pass rush can still get after Mac Jones fairly well. So, give give me the Steelers to win and cover the one and a half as dogs at home. Mitch Trubisky, I think, can put up some numbers. 
Um, but with uh, Najee Harris also questionable, probably going to miss the game too. It'll be a close, ugly game, but the Steelers win by a field goal probably. It's like 17-14. Jets on the road to the Browns. Um, Joe Blacko is 17-3 and in his career versus the Browns, but the Browns pass rush should get the job done and handle the Jets at home. Browns win, cover the six points, and move to 2-0. Colts at Jaguars, so... Funny enough, the Colts have not won in Jacksonville since 2014. A good eight years since the Colts have won down in Jacksonville. Um, you'll see plenty of Matt Ryan and Michael Pittman Jr., quarterback to receiver. Jonathan Taylor um, should have a bigger game than he did last week versus Houston. Um, the Jaguars, they should have won really last week in uh they, they kind of just messed around in Washington last week versus the Commanders. I will say that, that their defensive front has definitely improved. Trevor Lawrence um, didn't have a great game versus the Commanders. Um, and if Davis Mills can put up some numbers, then maybe Trevor Lawrence can too. We'll see. Um, but the Colts, they should win against Jacksonville, um, avoid their first loss, and cover the four-point spread. Next game, moving to the NFC, Buccaneers at Saints. Uh, intriguing matchup because um, Buccaneers have a great defense, but Tom Brady, ever since he became the Bucs' starting quarterback, he is 0-4 versus the New Orleans Saints. Um, the Saints last week did not do very much at all until the fourth quarter. Um, you got the weapons with Taysom Hill, like Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Taysom Hill, um, Jarvis Landry, them making plays. Um, they need to go much earlier and and make plays much earlier. Otherwise, the Buccaneers could win this game. And the Saints gave up 200 yards rushing on the ground, which is surprising given that their defensive front is considered one of the best in the league. Um, they just need to generate pressure on Brady because Brady, we know, struggles with pressure up the middle. And... The Saints have been, like I said, Tom Brady's kryptonite ever since he became the Bucks' starting quarterback. With that being said, though, I think the Bucks find a way to get it done in the Superdome. Uh, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans should go off, get some numbers, uh, and Julio Jones as well. Um, Leonard, Leonard Fournette and company in the backfield should get job get the job done as well. Give me the Bucks to win in a very close game. I don't think the Bucks will win by a field goal. It's going to be a very tightly, very tightly contested game in the Superdome. Uh, Panthers off of a close loss to the Browns last week in Charlotte could have won if Cade York didn't nail a 58-yard field goal at the end of the game. They are hosting the they no excuse me they are going on the road in the Meadowlands to take on the one and Giants and the Giants are favored by two and a half noon Central kickoff on Fox. Um. Giants got a nice win down in Tennessee last weekend. Uh, Saquon Barkley looked like the old Saquon Barkley, best game of his career since like 2019. It's been a long time since Saquon Barkley's put up those numbers on offense. Um, Giants online has approved, but they have lost five straight home openers as well. That is a blemish to their record. Um, and like I said, you know, Baker Mayfield, Christian McCaffrey, they made plays last week for the Panthers and, if it weren't for Cade York, they would have won and moved to 1-0. and um, This is going to be an interesting, intriguing game to watch. But um, Giants, 
Daniel Jones, he's not better than Baker Mayfield. And this is kind of more of a pick to me. So I am going with the Panthers. I'll, I'll go with the Panthers to win on the road. Commanders at Lions. So the Lions actually are favored to win a game for the first time since uh, 2020, I believe. I saw that stat today. First time in like 24 games. Um, Lions, two and a half point favorites. Noon kickoff on Fox uh, in Ford Field at Detroit. I just, I just, give me, give me the Lions to win. I just, I know Carson Wentz, Jahan Dotson, they're going to make plays. You know, you got Jonathan Allen and others on the defensive line. And with Chase Young not even back yet, but I just, I just think the Lions are just due for a win. And they played hard last. They fought back last week for the Eagles after they were down pretty big in the fourth quarter. So give me Jared Goff, Dan Campbell, and the Lions to get the win at home. Uh, Bengals. So we're now we're moving to the late Sunday afternoon slate. The Bengals are seven and a half point favorites on the road at Jerry World. Against the Cowboys, 325 p.m. Central kick on CBS. Um, the Cowboys, of course, are going to be without Dak Prescott for a while. He got Cooper Rush making his second career start. Um, he's going to need help, all the help he can get from Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott and also C.D. Lamb on the outside. Micah Parsons and the Cowboys front need to pressure Joe, Joe Burrow as much as possible. And, that, and it's advantageous for them, for them to do so since uh, the Bengals are having O-line issues. Jamar Chase is a stud. Um, I don't think he, Trayvon Diggs will be able to keep up with him. Jamar Chase is going to go for at least 150, probably nine catches, 150 yards at least. Um, and the Bengals will win this game on the road, move to one and one, um, and will cover the seven and a half. I, I think the Cowboys season is just going down the toilet. Cardinals at Raiders, um, both teams. Uh, Cardinals got blown out by the Chiefs. The Raiders lost to the Chargers in a game that was actually further in in competitiveness than the score would indicate. 325 p.m. Central kick on CBS. Uh, Devontae Adams had some big numbers last week, um, but, but Derek Carthy needs to spread the ball around more Darren Waller and uh, Hunter Renfro and others. Um, and they should be able to do so with the Cardinals having secondary issues. And on the offense for the Cardinals, they still have do not have DeAndre Hopkins or Rondale Moore. Um, no J.J. Watt also for them. So, yeah, Raiders, six-point favorites at home for a reason. Give me them to win, and the Cardinals are going to have some real soul-searching to do after this game on Sunday. All right, uh, Texans at Broncos. So the Broncos, after that Monday night uh, game management debacle up in Seattle, they are hosting the Texans as 10-point favorites. Um, Texans showed that they are improved. Uh, they are not looking like the worst team in the league after all. Davis Mills has put up good numbers ever since he came, became the full-time starter last year. Um, Nico Collins should have a bigger impact in this game to help Brandon Cooks on the other side of the field. But, you know, the Broncos, Russell Wilson, I'm sure he's going to bounce back, and they still have a great defense, the Broncos do. Everybody's saying the Broncos are a quarterback away, so I'm going to pick the Broncos to win. But uh, I still think I don't think they will cover. I think the Texans will cover the ten point spread as underdogs. Falcons at Rams. Uh, this is a game where the Rams just absolutely destroy the Falcons, take off 
take out their frustrations after their opening night loss to the Buffalo Bills on Thursday, uh, last Thursday. So, yeah, the Falcons, um, they choked their game last week versus the Saints, and now they're just going to get embarrassed in, in SoFi by the Rams. Sorry, Falcons, you're, that's just what's going to happen. Seahawks at the 49ers. Seahawks 1-0 or 49ers 0-1. And that was not the record I was expecting the two teams to have um, before before Sunday. But the 49ers are 10-point favorites at home, 3.05 central kick on Fox. Um, Seahawks, interesting stat, 14-2 and two versus the Niners since 2014. Geno Smith, is he going to keep up his play like he did versus the Broncos versus the 49ers? We'll see, but Geno Smith is not thought of in the league to be an elite starter. So yeah, uh, give me the 49ers to bounce back with Trey Lance and cover the 10 points at no, act, that's silly. Me. No 49ers win, but they don't cover the spread. I think it'll be a close game. Both defenses will be hungry to you after the quarterback, but the 49ers I think will prevail in the end, but, but won't cover the spread. All right. Moving the, to the primetime games on Sunday and Monday night. First of Sunday, Sunday night football, we got the Bears going into uh, Lambeau to take on the Packers. Bears are 1-0, Packers 0-1. Again, two surprising records, but also Packers, they don't typically perform one week one. But they are 10-point favorites against the Bears at home. 7.20 p.m. Central kick on NBC. Um, Aaron Rodgers just performs very, very well on Monday on, on in primetime football. Especially, check out these stats. He is, in the last six games against the Bears in his career on Sunday Night Football, he is 6-0 and with 23 passing touchdowns and zero interceptions. That's it is, That's his whole career versus the Bears on Sunday Night Football. And so I think that's enough to justify, and he's generally owned the Bears the past few years as well. Um, he's far better at quarterback than Justin Fields is. That's not a question at all. Um, and the Bears... Like the Packers, don't have a ton of weapons to play with. Um, Darnell Mooney is really the only threat on the outside, and he didn't really get a lot of touches last week, given the monsoon in Chicago. And the Packers' defense, they did struggle versus the Vikings. They let Justin Jefferson just go off, and you know Kevin McConnell and Kirk Cousins definitely put together a great game plan. But the Packers, they will bounce back, and this should handle the Bears pretty easily. Aaron Rodgers, like I said, those stats justify enough that they're going to get the job done. All right, moving to Monday night. You have two games on Monday night uh, this week. First, the Titans taking on the Bills in Buffalo. 6, 6.15 p.m. Central kick on ESPN. The Bills, of course, they throttled the Rams on opening night last Thursday. Um, what else is there to say? They're operating on all cylinders. Josh, Josh Allen's looking at an MVP candidate. Seven sacks versus the Rams, which is the most Sean McVay has ever given up as his as a head coach. Um the Titans, it looks like they missed Harold Landry quite a bit in the pass rush, and their O-line is going to have a handful versus the versus the, uh, versus the the Bills' defensive front. So give me the Bills to win and cover the 10 points at home. And then the last game is a very good game, I think. The Vikings versus the Eagles, 7.30 p.m. Central kick on ABC in Philadelphia. I say the Vikings, they just looked happy last week, just moving on from uh, Mike. Mike Zimmer and having Kevin McConnell. Um, Kirk Cousins, though, in prime time, doesn't perform very well, which no one wants to talk about. The matchup to watch in this game, though, is Justin Justin Jefferson versus Darius Slay. Um, 
Darius Slay is a good cover corner, but Justin Jefferson's arguably the best receiver in football right now. Um, and the Vikings have a high-powered offense, and of course they have Dalvin Cook in the backfield too. But the Eagles, they have arguably the best rushing tag overall in the league. Jalen Hurts at quarterback, Miles Sanders is running back. They could have the best O-line in football too, and you have arguably two number one receivers, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown, 1A, Devontae Smith, 1B. Either way, those guys are studs at wide receiver. Um, Eagles are favored by two. This is just going to be a fun game. Talent everywhere on both sides of the ball for both teams. Um, Vikings, I think, have a better roster overall slightly, but um, the Eagles, they're at home, and I think the Philly crowd's going to be the difference. So give me the Eagles to win and cover the two points. All right, guys, that is it for the pod this week. Thank you so much for checking it out. Really do appreciate all the support and listenership you have given me. Check out anchor.fm slash Lance Sampson. Um, uh, middle football, football's in full swing now, and uh, baseball postseason is coming up very soon as well. So uh, looking forward to talking about that very, very soon. And I will talk to you next week with my picks and other news going down. Take care. Bye.